0: Even getting confused about our own names this week and trying to keep zombie away from our phonenette. this is hand of pot. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm here with Seba Garcia.
1: Hola, como están?
0: with the two Dans, Australian and English.
2: Good evening. And as
0: ever, we're here to give you your weekly dose of Argentine football podcast action. Um, We're going to kick things off not with a look back at the, the league programme, which we'll deal with slightly later, but actually with a topic that we didn't have time to cover and also that we forgot to cover, so it was quite lucky that we didn't have time for it last week. It's revisiting the national side, which of course is Seba's speciality in particular. And it's to do with this argument which... Whether it's really been picked up very much in, in the English press or not, we're not sure. Between Carlos Tevez and Julio Grandona, the, the president of the Argentine Football Association. Great and glorious man that he is. We're all big fans of him here. Um, Seba, do you want to take the story up and tell our listeners what's, what's been happening?
1: I don't, I, don't, I don't think even Zombie likes Grondona. so <laughs> we just be honest about that. Yeah, I don't know if it's Grandona versus Tevez or more like Tevez against Batista. The thing is, Batista, as you all know, ignored Tevez and didn't call him for the Portugal-friendly. And he said it was because he was trying other options. He wanted to see how the team played with other uh, formations and other players. And then, Grondona, a couple of days before the Portugal match, said, no, no, that's not the reason. The reason is Batista is punishing Tevez because he didn't want to play for, Argen- for Argentina against Brazil in November. But instead, he played for Man City. Like four or five m- matches in November, and skip the friendly against Brazil. So, at the coaching staff, Grandona said that at the coaching staff they don't believe Tevez was injured. So, he dropped the bomb. Grandona dropped the bomb, and everyone is now looking into what really happened. There is a there's there's a rumor going on on Twitter. There's this guy saying that the real reason is because uh, Tevez was loving for Maradona to stay as manager when Batista was only an interim coach and then somebody inside the, the national team told Batista about this and Batista didn't like it so at the first opportunity he had he just stopped calling him up for the national team a player right
3: was a player. Was
1: yeah so. a player a player of uh, the national team they uh, this guy who dropped the bomb on, on Twitter didn't want to say who he was and he did say that it, it was not Lionel Messi because everyone thought it was Lionel Messi, um, but he wasn't. So I don't know. I th- I just think that it's it's unfortunate that Tevez has fallen out of love with uh, Batista. It is unfortunate that they he never got to play together well with with Lionel Messi because I think those two are incredible incredible talents and I don't want to be in a position of having to pick one of them. I, I would rather have the two of them playing. But I don't know if they if if they, they can see eye to eye uh, with each other. I think it's pretty obvious who who would I pick. I don't know who who would you pick if you had to be Lionel Messi oh, or I'd, Carlos Tevez. I'd
0: pick Messi. Well, the majority of people in Argentina would probably prefer to see Tevez in the national side,
2: especially because, if they're
0: the Yeah, and, and I mean this is something that particularly myself and Australian have have conversed about um, increasingly. And one of the things that we enjoyed seeing most about the World Cup, being in Buenos Aires last year, was was that Messi finally seems to be being accepted by by the people here, who think for whatever reason because went to Europe when he was very young and he's never played his domestic football in Argentina at least for a first team and all of this that he somehow doesn't really deserve or, or doesn't put the effort in for the national side. So yeah, I mean, if, from the objective point of view I, I, you'd have to go with Messi but, but I think the majority of fans here uh, would probably go for Tevez slightly ridiculously.
1: I think, I think it's also because of, uh, of all the hype behind Tevez and any player that made it big at Boca or River mm-hmm. For that matter, they will always be one step ahead, uh, Messi. When it comes to the to the love, get uh, they get from the media. Yeah, of course, it, 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 it's impossible for Messi to even touch uh, Tevez in that regard.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with you that you, you would you'd have to choose Messi out of those two. Partly because of who he is, and but also because of the the player that uh, Tevez is. Where you have, I mean, Tevez is probably one of the top five or ten strikers in the world. But Argentina has so many guys in that position. He's not indispensable for the national team. Can you, can you touch on a little bit more? Why they? Why, why, is there a, What's the problem between Messi and Tevez?
1: I don't think there is a real problem between them. They, they never clicked playing together on, on the pitch. I don't have any kind of information or, or their off-the-pitch relationship, I, I, I don't know. I, I know that they're not, they're not friends, but I, I can't say they're, they're enemies or they don't like each other off the pitch. What I do feel is that Tevez has have always thrived when he was the, the, the main man on his team. It like happened at Boca, it happened at Corinthians, at West Ham when he started playing. And then it didn't happen at Man U and he, he left. And now cause it's he happening was, at
3: City. Right? And now
1: it's happening at City again. So um, at the national team... The only moment in which I think he was the undisputed alpha dog, just to (laughs) to say it like that, was at the Olympics when, under Bielsa in Athens, 2004, he was the best player in the tournament and he won gold medal, and he was really happy, you could see he was really Mm -hmm. happy playing there and being the the, the center of attention.
3: I thought the one game where they played really well together was actually the the Mexico game in the World Cup. Messi kind of dropped really deep and was sort of creating for Tevez. Tevez scored two goals? Yeah, it's
2: two goals, two. it two, yeah. I think I'd One agree with side, that, though. yeah. <laughs> and what I'd say is that for Argentina, as I see at the moment, they're much better with Tevez and Messi playing together. Because what Tevez does, and I think what was missing when we last saw him against Portugal, as I said in uh, an article for goal, was that what Tevez does really well, is that, especially for the national team, he really just disrupts defences. defences. Um, he never gives up, he harries the defenders, he pulls them out of position. Even if he's not having the best game, he like makes, uh, makes a menace of himself. And we saw that, I think, in Portugal, where they had uh, La Bezzi and Di Maria up front. And they're very good players in their own right, but they don't have that kind of destructive destructive mm-hmm. influence that Tevez can have on the game. And I think that means when Tevez comes in and makes these holes, that uh, Messi can really exploit them. I think as we probably saw best, apart from the Mexico game, against Spain, Spain Tevez yeah, and yeah. Messi, did, Messi did this really well. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I mean, obviously if it comes down to one or the other, you... You can't get rid of Messi.
0: It makes me wonder what the reaction would have been if it had been Messi saying the things that Tevez has supposedly said. But they've, Because, you know, if, if you drop Messi from the Argentine national side without giving a very good reason, then it's quite clear that something's going on. Whereas this has taken two or three weeks to you know, to, to build up for people to actually start saying, hang on a second, there's something going on behind the scenes. It wasn't just that he was resting him.
3: Yeah, so it... And so, yeah. I don't know if we, we've already mentioned it on air, but uh, rumours are at the moment that, that he won't call him up for the Copa America, which would be a big deal.
1: It would be a big change. And another another question, just on this uh, topic. Um, Tevez, many times he said, I'm tired of playing for mm-hmm. the national team, of the long journeys and playing for club and then going to play for country. And I'm thinking ahead and, and I don't think I will make it to the next World Cup. So he hinted that he could be quitting international football f- for good. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know, you have to also question whether Tevez is really willing to stay uh, with the national team or not. And it happened in in, in the past, because on Mundo Luis Celeste, my my website, I wrote an article about this, and people were taking sides, you know? People defending Tevez, some defending Messi. And in the the comments. Yeah, in the comments, yeah, exactly. And one guy said, well, but uh, I'm sure Tevez would we'll die for the national team would we'll do anything to to play for Argentina and then I remember a couple of occasions and and in which Tevez prioritized other things before yeah. the, the national team and he was in the Apertura 2003 he was playing for Boca and he decided to stay and not to go not to join the national team and then on top of on top of it when, when Boca won the, the Apertura they were singing Insulting the national team, saying—should I say it in Spanish?
2: <laughs> you can say it in Spanish, and <laughs> yeah. then we'll do
1: it. Tri- la selección, trial. la selección se va a la parió, right? <laughs> so uh, it was—it wasn't so nice to see. He was really young at the time. I—I I, I thought it was just a mistake you made when you're young. But I don't—I don't know if the sentiments are there for Tevez right now with uh, the national team. This is another
3: thing with talking about earlier the, about Messi not being dedicated to the national team or whatever he was the only one that played every single minute of every single qualifier for the World Cup yeah so, and don't yeah. forget
1: when he said to Barcelona right I'm go- I am w- I, will play the Olympics, the Olympics right? I will go to Beijing so I think it was a, a real statement from from Messi and people who question his love for the national team are, are really are really picking on him for no reason that's my opinion
0: it's it's funny how um, how, how the, the press and the kind of majority fan opinion here gets swayed so much by this kind of... by the player's perceived on-pitch attitude for their clubs um, and, and the perceived gap between performances for the club and the team. Because the other player that I can think of who also played far more of the um, the World Cup qualifying campaign than people realised, particularly as he was left out of the squad, was Javier Sanetti, who... Famously, by a lot of Argentines, is is considered to be some kind of curse on the national team, or is considered to have never given his all for his colours. Even though he's the player who's played more more matches than anybody else for Argentina in, in the, the history of the national side. You know, I remember the, the very first time I came here, or, or the, no, sorry, the, the second time that I was here in um, in winter 2004 during the Copa America that year. I was watching an Argentina game with um, with my then girlfriend's dad on the television, and when Sanetti got the ball. <coughs> He was sitting there going, "Mentira, Sanetti, Mentira, you're a lie, Sanetti. Everything, you know, you're a, you're a lie." And uh, ask Inter a- yeah, if he's a liar. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was it was crazy, and then you know, it, it, which is epitomised because in the fact that just recently, last year, in Diego Maradona, the, the selección had a manager who was the epitome of you know Argentine popular thought, um, and he leaves Sanetti out. Of, of the national side, it,
1: it's and do, do you think it's a coincidence that Sanetti never played for Boca or River, and he gets questioned by the fans? I don't think it's. No. <laughs> I think it's it goes hand in hand with that. Mm. And, uh, I mean, nobody, or maybe if you if you can bring me one article from the media that was opposing to Martin Palermo being mm. called up for the national team, I, I think there mm. might be one or two, but there wasn't many. No, no the That's the, the majority was really. Uh, Rooting for Martin,
2: and uh, yeah. I think it's a really kind of interesting subject that we touched on. This whole kind of thing about club versus country, more than anything in Argentina, because you know we're talking 90, 95% of the, the national team squad play in Europe. It's pro- probably for a comparable thing, a p- comparable situation, you'd have to look at Brazil, which has a very similar one. I mean, if we got any any Brazilian listeners, like please tell us if it's the same over there. But yeah, I think this is a situation that probably you can't really relate to in Europe because even if players might play in Spain when they're Italian or you know French or they're French and they're playing England they're still kind of in touch and close to the team but it really is another world being in Europe like Mm -hmm. a whole different section the newspaper everything so I think definitely the fans are always going to have a soft spot for the players who who did it in their home country and then went rather than people that didn't really do anything
0: yeah it's um when Seba was first giving us the, the rundown of, of exactly what went on as well, it called to mind something that you said last week about Perazzo. Well, something that we kind of both said about how Perazzo was basically an idiot, and then you pointed out that uh, saying outright to all of the media that Araujo was not the specified penalty taker is kind of what Grandona's done in this situation. You know, where, where Grandona's come in, and when Batista appeared to have it under control mm-hmm. and said, Tevez and also Aguero aren't being called up for this game because I want to rest them and try some alternatives it doesn't mean they're out of contention for the Cop of America. OK, that's fine. Let's get on with the game. And then Grandona comes in a few days later and says, oh, no, this isn't the reason to... What? Well,
1: well, is Grandona uh, trying
0: to undermine... <laughs> uh, of course Grandona's trying to undermine the manager because he's not the manager he wants and Grandona's uh, an idiot. But yeah, it, and, and it's remarkable. It's, it's kind of the same thing, again, except... That yeah, I'm glad, I'm
1: glad that you mentioned that because I, I was talking to a friend about this and he's the expert of conspiracy co- conspiracy theories and he he always sees it, you know and then I said, how come ca- how can Grandona say this just a couple of days before a match when the manager said completely the, o- the opposite, and he said Grandona is not a fool, he Grandona wants to wants the people to know that Tevez decided to mm. skip a, a, a match with Argentina to stay with Man City, and now he wants to throw the ball on, on Tevez's court, and now He's probably also trying to to pick a fight with Tevez and see what Tevez has to say, and maybe by saying this, Grondona can push Tevez towards the decision of quitting international uh, football. That's a theory, but I they've think they've gone some
0: previous. As well, they haven't, they because yeah. they had an argument last year, prior yeah, just to, before
1: the just Ireland friendly. Yeah. yeah, So, so that could be that could be the move uh, by Grondona, or what, what 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 he's trying to do. Uh, with Tevez and Batista, but he, he completely he completely undermined Batista, and now Batista is looking like a, like a liar in front of, of all of us. You know, yeah. like he said one thing, and and said no, 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 but he really didn't mean this. He he was punishing Tevez for for skipping the, the, the Brazil friendly.
0: He's uh, he's a horrible man, and, and many would say a fool. But he but he's he does listen every every week. So. Yeah. Of, of course, fortunately for us, he doesn't understand English. He gets his housemaid to put this on to soothe him off to sleep every yeah. night. As he does, he has housemaids. <laughs> I, 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 I like the image, so I'm going I'm to leave that by then. Big Brother House, yeah. Of course, yeah. But, but, but one thing that that you have to say about Grandona is is that if that is what he's trying to do, then he, he's, he knows his kind of political maneuverings. I, I remember speaking to one guy, an Argentine guy, in, in a bar in San Telmo last last year, who was uh, coming out with stuff that sounded very much like your friend's conspiracy theories, and, and one of them was pointing out that Grandona became Argentine Football Association president in 1979, whilst the military junta were in power, and he then is the only figure in Argentine popular life today who is still in the same position now that he's been in for the last 32 years regardless of whether the government is a dictatorship or a democracy, and regardless of which colour democracy or which, you know, right or left wing or whatever, the whole time the only constant has been Julio Grandona at the head of the AFA. And, and, and of course with the whole football Baratodos thing, whatever you happen to think about it, there's no denying that the politics and football can, can mix in a lot of the time in this country as well. i right. are talking about somebody who knows how to, yeah. how to manipulate it, yeah. but it just struck me as bizarre when he came out with the the service business and, and there's a whole thing about how he supposedly never sacked a manager as well not, <laughs> not yeah. they, But not sacked they walk out all 32
1: years in power who said there's no stability in Argentina yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the man who said I am the president of the AFA the Argentine Football Association and I am the vice president of the world because <laughs> he said FIFA had more nations than the UN so yeah. I am the vice president of the world and he got there without speaking a word of English and you have to Go to many meetings and <laughs> talk to many key people that will only speak in English. And anyway, it's, it's a mystery and it can, it can only be, be explained as knowing that he's from Argentina and <laughs> he's <laughs> doing this in Argentina. You know, it, it, it will never happen anywhere else. <laughs> I think we'll,
0: we'll move on for now to, to the weekend action um, in, in the Torneo the Nestor Kirchner Clausura. Ardinas 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 Ardinas. Ardinas. Um, as, as we were saying A few minutes ago Politics and football <laughs> <laughs> Never too far apart In this country There's one match Obviously that we're Going to talk about Because Three of the four of us Were in attendance And I know Without even having Had to ask Seba That you and Felipe Were also paying A lot of attention at home I don't know whether He smiled at the Boca goal Like he was smiling At all of the other goals The other weekend But Racing and Boca Juniors Played the first Clasico Of the new season In El Cilindro in Abysso myself and Australian Dan were were given a press pass, which Mr. turned out to, yes, <laughs> no, no, good friend, which turned out to be um, a free ticket to the plateau essentially because they didn't tell us where the press box was. Um, Whilst well, English Dan was in, I wanted to be with the, the people, not like you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why I went. There. Whilst English Dan uh, was enjoying it from from the popular, So, English Dan, I'm, I'm going to ask you first, yes. actually. What what was the view like from where you were sitting? Because I know what it was like where me and Dan were.
2: Not fantastic. I mean, one bonus from where I was standing, up on the top level of the popular, kind of just to the right of the, the Guardián imperial was um, that I couldn't see the, the Boca Barra, which was nice because they've just moved and there's been a bit of a change in the Racing Stadium. Mm. The away fans used to be behind the goal, but now... They've taken them away from the lower tier of the stadium and put them up, up in the gods, like on the upper deck. Which, yeah, so basically the, the roof of the stadium blocked the entire dossier out of view, which which was especially nice when we, when we started losing. Now, the game itself, I think we always knew, like all four of us, we were talking about it last week just as we were recording the podcast. Uh, the news was coming through that Giovanni Morena was hit, quite seriously injured. It turns out that he's going to be out between, I think, six and eight months with a cruciate ligament injury. You can see Severs shaking his head in utter sorrow. No, I'm um, I'm just well it that. naturally. <laughs> yeah. So that's a massive, massive blow for Racing because Moreno is basically their creative linchpin. Everything good last year was coming through Moreno.
0: And a huge blow for Colombia as well. And a huge blow for Colombia well, we in the Copa America. Yeah. I, I went to Plaza San Martin yesterday and drank a few mates with a half-Colombian friend of mine who is also a Racing fan. He was in capital Federal to well he was in the micro to pick up his um his membership. He's here until till June and he's he was devastated by it.
2: Yeah, exactly. as Sam says like Colombia and uh, Racing is a uh, a big loss. And apart from that, we also had um, uh, Patricio Taranzo, who played really well last year as like a, I guess you could call him Gio's right hand man. Kind of they fed off him off each other a lot. He played a little bit further back and also um, the captain Jacob in midfield. He was missing, so we had the entire. The entire midfield was different from last year when we did pretty well.
3: And what we didn't know yeah, last week was, was different that. From last week as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: that's the thing that really was. What we didn't know last week
3: was that uh, Riquelme, I think it actually happened afterwards. In it did, yeah. Year, yeah. Was also injured, so he, you know, he had yeah. to. And RVP, the other was suspended, playmaker, yeah. was for Voca was yeah. suspended.
2: So yeah, so basically, if you look at Saturday's game, all of the real creative talents were missing, and it was pretty much reflected in the play. Racing had the. The best of the first half had a couple of good chances but um, the Boca keeper Javi Garcia decided to actually play well this week after a shocker against Godoy and then yeah about 90 seconds into the second half um, Garcia beat the ball down the field, the Racing defence just pretty much wasn't there, I don't, even, I don't know where they were and our favourite player pa- Pablo Mauchi, was left completely free and smashed the ball in, Racing couldn't, couldn't really pick themselves up from it and three points to Boca. Yeah, I mean, Boca. You have to give them credit as much as maybe I don't want to. They didn't set the world on fire. They didn't shine at all. But they played a very, very good organised game. You know, they got men behind the ball. They, you know, they always had Palermo up front, to push himself about. So okay. Racing could never get too like comfortable. I can see Dan gritting his teeth while he's <laughs> saying this and trying to avoid accusations and
0: bias by uttering the phrase that. Racing really deserved it more than Bocca. As a neutral fan, well, maybe not entirely. You a neutral, really played, yeah. yeah. But, but certainly Dan as well, who who actually is a neutral fan for this game, and myself, both seem to agree that Racing did actually deserve it more than Bocca. They
3: yeah.
0: n- neither side created a whole lot, but Racing created more, I thought. And I, I, I said to Dan at half time actually that, that the only threat Bocca had had during the first half was the three occasions when they kind of launched a long ball for, for Pablo malchet to run onto, mm. and then. As you say, 90 seconds into the the second half, they
2: score a goal from doing precisely that. Um, of course, it would have been 80 seconds if um, Garcia hadn't held held onto the ball for 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a whole different co- controversy in the making.
3: It was a bizarre yeah. goal. Um, yeah, as you, as you say, he he held onto the ball for a long time, which indicates that Racing should have got their backline into order. <laughs> yeah. The uh, lead to their left back was nowhere to be seen. I guess he'd been. I think he
1: took
2: the
3: corner. Yeah. Ah, okay, yeah. he'd been up upfield. Uh,
1: and also, Abel Daniel went. With Palermo. Yeah, right, the two centre-backs, uh, we went should with have left Palermo Martinez, is like looping
0: yeah. along
3: at
1: yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, pa- five kilometres an hour.
0: <laughs> Palermo, and, and we, we're all in agreement, I think, that Palermo is one of these players who certainly, whilst we've already said this evening, he shouldn't have been in the national team squad for the <laughs> World Cup. <laughs> In, in, in the context of the local league, he can—he's—he's he's often worth leaving on the field from Bocker's point of view because he'll appear to be doing nothing, and then we'll win the game later on with with I the final I think kind he touched golfer. the ball about three ball, three exactly. times in that match. Yeah. But but it really was a case the other day of him just doing absolutely nothing the entire game. And when Linkasbiatri came on, I think you you said didn't you, Dan, that you were amazed that he'd not come on about half an hour earlier than he did because he came on in about the 85th minute.
3: Yeah, again, it's he's, he's also very slow player and everything, but at least you know he's somebody who can drop back a little bit and, and do something a little bit more than Palermo was doing. I mean, Palermo, without any service from Riquelme or, or any creative midfielders, was just completely out of the game. And, yeah, I, g- I agree with both of you guys that Varsing had the, the better of the first half, and I thought both teams did quite well to, they, they both came in with 4-4-2 formations and some pretty good wing play from both of them, uh, considering it was definitely a plan B for, for both of those. One, one thing I will say for Bok is midfield, and I think it it's only fair on them that
0: I picked this up, having two weeks ago suggested they could be under a lot of pressure if they lost the first couple of matches, and then having repeated it last week after they got thrashed, is that they looked a hell of a lot more combative. They might not have, have looked very creative, and certainly Diego Rivera in particular was stupid. Some of the kind of running into blind alleys and then turning around and uh-huh. not nothing. Rivera was playing on the right wing, for and he ended up getting himself sent off. But they, they looked Bocker's midfield a lot more kind of lively and and up for it than than they had done with, with, with essentially different personnel. They, they did a, a hell of a lot better this time around.
3: I was especially impressed with uh, Somoza, the the guy who was captain of Vélez mm. last year, especially after Boca scored. He was really, really dominant in midfield. And He's kind of weird because he, he like when he's on the ball, he looks like he's about to lose it every time. He doesn't have very good ball control or anything, but he's sort of a, a big guy and he's, he's dominant. And he was keeping them sort of pressing forward as well rather than sitting back and defending. Uh, I, I thought he was probably... Probably my man of the match. Mousset Mal- played very well as as well, but uh, yeah. I was really impressed with Somos.
2: But I mean, um, the question I'd like to ask, um, having all four of us seen this game on uh, on Saturday, and now obviously uh, Arviti's is going to be back after his suspension, and Rodriguez is going to be going to be there. So I mean, you guys, what would you do? I mean, is um, a minor a minor kind of discussion now about should Raquelme come back in? As in his um, enganche role, or should Boca stick with 4 4 2 and potentially leave Riquelme on the bench? I found I it, it very amusing
3: where Riquelme today, I think, announced basically that I'll be playing on, <laughs> <laughs> on yeah, Saturday.
1: Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. So, absolutely. So it's like, yeah, he's
3: like, I'll, I'll be playing on, on Saturday. So, you know, take a note, Falcione, because yeah. <laughs> Riquelme's picked himself already. It and they then mean. they asked him something like if Falcione asked you to play in a deeper, like, uh, as a number five, would you do it and he said oh, I think the Boca fans expect to see me in my usual roles. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he said they expect to see Raquel in his yeah I think role. he's speaking yeah, yeah.
3: about himself yeah. in the third he's, person he's a very modest man um, <laughs> but basically you know, he obviously wears the, the, so wears so the pants also. in that
1: situation yeah. Yeah. Mm. I will definitely play Riquelme. really yeah definitely because mm. you're a Racing fan no no, no. no. <laughs> I think <we> <laughs> I think if had he played uh, against Racing I think he could have been a little bit easier for Boca, especially once they went ahead in the score because he controls the ball uh, and controls the game and he can really slow it down if they need to. But I, I think I think this is one of those cases where reputation st- speaks for, for itself and, and I think Having a healthy Riquelme on the bench is not a good recipe for no, Falcioni, no. not at all. <laughs> and I if think he loses with uh,
2: Riquelme on the bench, he's, he's finished.
1: Exactly, exactly. And having uh, an unhappy Riquelme in the dressing room is also a recipe for a recipe for disaster. So, um, but also, if he's ready to go, if he's if he can, if he's fit enough, arguably he's the best player in the, in this league right now. I mean, maybe out of form or uh, or. Not not playing just past his best uh, his best days, but he still he still can do it. And I, th- I
0: think it's hard to say out of form, and he's not really played. It's, it, the, the difficulty he's having right now is undoubtedly yeah, well, his I, body. Yeah, he's maybe
1: I was meaning more of fitness, yeah. not much fit instead of uh, out of form. Hmm. But yeah, I will definitely play Riquelme uh, if anything, just to avoid the the, the backlash that could come for Falcioni. If it doesn't go well for Boca, I
3: think that's exactly what the yeah. coaches think. Is like, I don't play him and we lose, I'm basically dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I play him and we lose. you know, It's I, his fault. Uh, yes. as, as we well, saw with yeah. the Godoy like Cruz game, when it was, you know, as I was saying <laughs> last week, it, was it Riquelme's fault
0: that they conceded a
1: And the good well, thing for, for Boca and, and Riquelme is that they play all boys. The I, I joke and I said, Maybe they should change the name to Old Thugs, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <all> boys, Old <laughs> Boys would be without Barrientos, yeah. and he has to serve another week of suspension, so at least there's one less obstacle for R- Riquelme, uh, yeah. and I, I don't think Riquelme is going to, the, the referee, whoever he is, is going to allow this kind of foul play on Riquelme systematically as he allowed it, as Lunati allowed it uh, in week one against yeah. Racing and Giovanni Moreno yes. so it yeah it, it still hurts
2: Yeah. It, it was interesting before that game because fairly predictably uh, Gio got a pretty good reception even though I don't think he was there in the stadium um, the fans chanted his name and then they turned their attention to uh, the two villains of last week, uh, Barrientos and Lunati I'm sure Sam and Dan heard this as well yeah the fans, yeah, the the fans yeah. of Racing of course they, uh, yeah. Yeah. we won't say I mean it was similar to what um, they were saying about the selection in Boca earlier, as Seb point at, Seba pointed out. But yeah, they were fairly um, fairly negative towards those two individuals. If,
0: if I can mention just very briefly um, the impression that I got from, from Racing. As somebody who, although I don't support Racing, I, I do quite like them by virtue of, of Seba and Dan, and as I've already mentioned, actually one of my other good friends, all being supporters of them. I was, I was very impressed by Zucolini in Particularly, obviously we know that he's a good player and we know what he can do because we've seen him all before. Uh, we've all seen him before, I should say. I <laughs> haven't seen him all, thank God.
1: <laughs> you mean we've seen them all, all the Zucolini?
0: That That's correct, yes. We've seen both of the, uh, the two brothers. But, but it was more... The way that he stepped up in Moreno's absence, especially in the first half, and and was he clearly been asked, to, I thought, to play a slightly more advanced role? Yeah, he, he, he really was picking is the ball up, and kind of driving forward. A driving lot forward more. and passing,
3: and, and driving forward and receiving yeah. the pass back. And, and, and,
0: and I mean, he's he's not evidently he's he's not going to be or ever going to be as good as. Uh, well, actually, you never know if if he was asked to fill that position regularly from now on, then he could want day become as good as as Gio is at kind of drifting into space further up the pitch because the position that he makes the play from. It, with his own job that, that he's grown up doing has been from much deeper where he's not getting as much pressure on the ball. But I thought for the first game that he's been asked to do that for, he actually did did really well. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I don't think that Racing in the long term need to be too kind of doom and gloom about having lost Gio necessarily. Obviously, no. I'm not denying that, that you'd be a much better team with him. Yeah. Um, no, because I definitely
3: think there's hopes. Jacob and are Jaco coming back. And mm. Kind of what Russo was saying in the, in the press conference. I was like... Daniel Colasimone, hand a pod, hi, uh, yeah. <laughs> asking him a question about Moreno, and he, he was he was saying, like, Moreno's gone, we have to stop talking about him, we yeah. have to forget about him, we have to think about... Um, that was a lie, by the way, I didn't really ask him that. But he did say this. He, he really did say that. He said, like, we've got to stop talking about Moreno because he's gone, we forget about him, and we've got players coming back, and, yeah, move on. That's mm. basically what he said. Yeah, then. that's
1: what we have to do. But it's going to be a lot more uglier now. It's going to be... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Borderline mediocre for sometimes, like like we've seen against Boca. Yeah, and but
0: uh, speaking of of moving on, <laughs> um, yeah, other games that were interesting on the weekend. Well, the, well the one the one that I paid obviously inevitably the most attention to, other than the game I was actually at, was the River Orican the massive relegation clash, which uh, in in the parlance of the Argentine relegation table, which we've gone over the complexities of it in previous episodes, is perhaps best described as a Point sixer rather than a six-pointer. Uh, that's very a joke I've used very love many times. <laughs> I wish I could, I'd just come up with that. But no. um, they they were playing Huracan and had the the opportunity had they won the match to have gone seven points, which would effectively be something like 0.14 points per game or something. It's a very complicated system. Uh, ahead of Huracan in in the relegation standings, and as it was, they actually they did manage to win eventually. I was tweeting at half-time and actually got told off by one of my followers for saying that Urukan were crap. Um, <laughs> he's, he's said he said it was, was very one. harsh because they were a bunch of kids. I don't care if they are a bunch of kids, yeah, they, they were they crap. And, and the manager has recognised that today, in fact, because Miguel Brindisi has, has stood down as as Urukan boss. River, I thought, could have won by more fairly comfortably, again, if they'd had a striker who could finish. But Mariano Pavone, in spite of being the striker who couldn't finish, actually played really well and was possibly the best player on the pitch. He got two assists. And the second match, the second goal in particular was... I don't know if any of you saw it, but it was quite bizarre because it was Pavone, the big burly centre-forward, putting in a cracking right-wing cross for Paolo Ferrari, who is supposed to be the player bombing up the flank to supply the crosses for Pavone, to to head it in in proper centre-forward style. And And I think over the last 12 months... Ferrari is by some distance River's top scorer as well from right back which which tells you as much as you need to know really
2: I think I, think was, um, I saw a cracking cra- uh, crack quote from Ferrari today in uh, Ole it was basically saying you know my kid that's in you know my wife's pregnant and my kid when he's born he's never going to believe that I scored a headed goal <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's not the the tallest guy no nah. he's, he's, he's not quite as short as um, as,
0: Fra- as Franco Neil who we were discussing <laughs> last week for, for Argentinos against Fluminense who scored the two heading goals in the Libertadores support? You should mention Lamela as well had an
3: excellent game. Lamela uh, did. Yeah, he's and got the number 10 on his back now. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's really, really maturing quickly. And, and his first goal was
0: it, it was the third goal he scored for River's first team, and it was the first that he scored in the, the Monumental, and it was fantastic. It, it was the stuff that River were trying to play all the way through the first half and, and failing to do. Um,
1: Is Lamela the and new Cristiano Ronaldo?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the hairstyle's not too dissimilar, yeah. is it? I no, think.
1: but I, uh, seriously, so I I see a, f- a few things of Cristiano in him, like the way he runs. he's not the final product. We're not talking about his screen. personality. I feel we should no, make no, this no,
3: clear no, no, no. He is kind of a, like, he's very. Uh, I was writing a feature on him recently, and he's very. He's obviously like because obviously at the age of twelve, who Barcelona tried to buy him. He's used to being like the mm. the main man, and he, he knows he's a star. And he's got this kind of uh, aura about him where he's like. Look at me, kind of
1: thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he's not that flashy. He's not. It's not as flashy as Cristiano Ronaldo. But I, I, see things when I see him play. When I see him run, I, I remember. I instantly think of yeah. long legs. You know, like kind of that kind of game.
0: And, uh, and as I said during the apertura as well, when you're watching a game at the Monumental and La Mela gets the ball, it, particularly last season when although they finished fourth, River were kind of. Scraping wins when they should have won more comfortably, letting in late equalisers for games that they should have have maybe got a second goal to kill the match off in. And when Lamela got the ball, it made such a huge difference to to the kind of atmosphere in the crowd. It, it, it was the one moment when everybody kind of took an inward breath and said, "Right, what's going to happen now?" And and the only other comparable one, and this is I'm, I'm aware that this is incredibly high praise, was when when I attended the Argentina-Spain match. And when Lionel Messi got on the ball, there was one point during the second half when he ran around about seven or eight Spain players before putting a ball in, which Angel Di Maria scored, but it was just offside. And that was—it was a similar feeling. Literally, the, the, the reaction that he draws from the crowd. I'm not suggesting that he's on the same level. as next yeah. Why the hell not? Everyone else has said it. But but, but the and reaction that he draws mad. from the crowd is is, is similar when you <laughs> when you're there. He, he stands out in, in what's a fairly. I mean, they've got some talented players, but they're you know a fairly disjointed team. I won't say pedestrian because they've got yeah. the potential to to actually do quite well if they got their act in. Yeah, he's he's a very good talent, and, and the goal was kind of back and forth ping-pong as Looking forward. forward to watching him this
3: year because I think he's yeah. getting better, but yeah. almost by the game. Mm. Uh, other games,
1: you were? I I think I think maybe while we touch uh, based on other matches, I think River were the undisputed. Big winners of this weekend yeah, cause, yeah. Uh, Tigre lost the, all these relegation teams, uh, the relegation strugglers. The Tigre lost. Kilmes lost. Well, maybe we should forget about it. They're not going to put up a fight. Is it
3: true they sell more calculators than replica shirts in a a (laughs) (laughs) Monumenthal?
1: Probably. I would not be able to
0: say, but they they do have a very nice weight kit, which I'm told you can get into nightclubs (laughs) wearing. um, mm -hmm. But the the other thing as well is that as well as the relegation candidates, you've also... uh, Vélez lost to all boys. Thrassing, as we've already mentioned, lost to Boca, and as a result, River won't have been done any harm in the standings for the Copa uh, Copa Sudamericana qualification as well, which, as we all know, is a
1: highly prestigious tournament that none of us will say anything against. Uh, But also, also Gimnasia lost, and Independiente managed only a draw, so River are now two points closer to Independiente, only four behind them, and they play next, so it's gonna. I Which, think of this course, is more important
0: for Seba as a racing fan than <laughs> a, as me for
1: a River fan. No. I don't know. I, I'm a, I'm a racing fan. I'm not anti anti Independiente or whatsoever. Oh, really? You keep
2: saying that. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well, that will, it will be interesting though. You know, obviously yeah, we're um, we're football journalists. We're completely we're completely neutral. But from a completely objective point of view, it'll be interesting to see uh, Independiente fighting relegation after so many years of. Racing been down there and yeah. maybe uh, the well, Rojo had a couple of things to say in that time You know, I think they will be in the top 10 next but season they, they really need to stop winning games like yeah. domestically they haven't actually won a game in 11 fixtures wow. which would make it since the last one. Racing derby
1: exactly <laughs> last one was against Racing yeah. nice it was a which 9 was a pointer maybe.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to keep talking about Racing but um, you guys will probably be able to comment on the amount of ex-Racing players that scored on the weekend
0: <laughs> yeah we 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 were yeah. saying actually, weren't we, that um, we'll have to get in Serba to mention it more because having slagged off Pablo Molche last, last week, he, he scored against you and then also we mentioned last week that Gabriel Mercado never scored really for Racing and he scored a few for Estudiantes, he got and another for Estudiantes. Yeah,
2: Bielo scored, Pichy uh, uh, Puente scored and he's the um, top Rossini. scorer in, uh, in Razzini. Razzini got two, which was I think twice as many as he managed in Racing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so yeah, and Racing yeah. couldn't find a, a goal no. So who's who's not
0: going to score this weekend, Dan and Seba, a former Racing
1: player? Racing plays San Lorenzo, so there is a chance. Uh, Juan Manuel Torres, who used to play for Racing, yeah. will score against Racing. Yeah. And Pablo Migliore. He's going to keep a clean sheet. Just, oh, just just Paolo, and Pablo Migliore uh, Mil- will yeah. score ahead there,
3: maybe. <laughs> and before we move on to the next round, uh, any other... Well, I'd, I'd, actually, I'd quite like to mention my man of the weekend. Oh, um, please, Sam.
1: For,
0: for the second in what we've decided is going to become a regular feature in order to attempt to make this podcast semi-coherent at times um, and that's Nelson Pitana is it Nelson or Nestor Nestor, or? Nestor. it begins with N anyway Nestor Pitana uh, he's a referee and in an attempt to try and broaden this out for our listeners to get a real sense of the personalities involved in Argentine football I thought that I would mention him because Australian Dan and I were watching Gimnasia La Plata against Club Olimpo of Bahia Blanca on Friday night, wasn't it? The um, tournament leader,
3: Olympus. yeah. Who've
0: now won both of their games. They got a last-minute winner in the first week, and they won very comfortably against a fairly average Uruguayan side. When I say average, I'm mean being very kind. Um, 3-1 in La Plata, and the real star of the show, I thought, was Pitana. The amount of attention-seeking that he managed <laughs> to do was quite spectacular. He, he's he's a great talker. He likes to talk to the players, and. Um, He doesn't do it in a kind of toned-down, sensible... Pierluigi Collina style <laughs> quiet word in their ear way. He he makes it very very obvious for the TV cameras what's going on. What, a thing, and, what, uh, what uh, he was. and and the real the really fantastic moment. I wish I could find a YouTube clip of it, but it just it won't be possible. I don't think was when he was turning down one of Hymnasia's attempts for for a free kick. A Hymnasia player got not taken out, but he he got tripped, and it was when they showed the replays. I thought it was definitely there was no contact with the ball and plenty of contact with the other player's ankle right outside the penalty area and. and Fell over and as he was getting up Pitana was about two yards Away from him down on his knees Shouting in his face and kind of indicating With both hands pointing and going No no he got he got the ball he didn't get you And, and it was called so Ridiculously over the top and dramatic if, if any anybody's seen the Quite kind of infamous YouTube video Of the, the German referee Showing flourishing yellow and red cards mm-hmm. Of players and uh, I think it's titled Gay referee or something it's So kind of theatrical about it all it, 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 it's not quite on that level but it, it was you certainly very yeah I, I mean it, it was really quite bizarre to watch it So he's your as, as somebody who doesn't tend to watch Pitana um, referee matches very much for whatever reason I mean, that's not a, a policy that I have of avoiding <laughs> them I, I just kind of it occurred to me on Friday evening that I'm not really used to seeing him so I've evidently fortunately managed to not catch too many of them
3: yeah as we I saying I think he's the referee I've seen the most for some reason yeah. mm. I, I just noticed him most because he's so yeah. theatrical. you, you okay. now
0: have your um your mystical-looking piece yeah. of paper out, done. It's just been my time. Is yeah, sort of Mystic Down. I mean, we oh, have... will play some music now because the wind's blowing a bit. So, uh, and we'll come back for Mystic Down.
3: Fantastic run last week. I got the I got four in a row, which was the last four games. I got them all right. <laughs> I actually, wasn't getting... paying
0: any attention last week after making fun of you for your
3: first <laughs> week. No, but I actually got the first six wrong. So it was I was like <laughs> up to six games. I was on zero, and then the, the last four all came in. It was San Lorenzo and uh, who
1: else? Arsenal.
3: Arsenal, All those. So in fact, so far we've got eight from twenty. Yeah. Which is its Just
1: almost 50%, and to, yeah. considering
3: there are three
0: outcomes. Well, I'm um,
3: sure you guys probably don't know a lot about horoscopes and everything but until um, <laughs> Saturday is what what's called a mercury retrograde okay. which kind of affects all kinds of <laughs> like stuff in the atmosphere. Does um,
2: <laughs> so that makes it harder for you to make predictions or easier?
3: It's like completely random whatever happens. Uh, so so, <laughs> so this, this happens on this Saturday ended night and the format Saturday. played afterwards yeah, and, and uh, actually got 100% uh, off that. Astonishing, <laughs> So the season starts here folks is what Dan's saying. And the other problem is I don't have a theme tune yet which I think is affecting my Yeah I
0: know I'm going to get on to, to my friend Nick for
3: that and all right. see what we can do. I was to English, down earlier, that I actually find this week really hard to predict because you've <laughs> I've been getting 4 out of 10, <laughs> I've been quite sure about my, my picks before this. But like there's a lot of games here, I really, really find it hard. Um, the first one, Colón Gimnasia, I picked uh, Colón because they're doing well so far. Olimpo I've, and Godoy Cruz, I've gone for a draw here. I picked Godoy Cruz to lose against San Lorenzo because I thought they'd be uh, a bit tired after. Uh, uh, Copa Libertadores and playing Boca the week before but they're a good team and as we said Olympos is top of the table so I'm going to go for a draw there uh, I picked Lanús to win against Quilmes which is you know you can always pick some whoever's playing Quilmes two, that's a, a free point uh, San Renzo Racing is a very interesting game and I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about some of these. I'll go for a draw
2: I take it. I think you're being kind, <laughs> but I'll take
3: it I yeah, take it <laughs> yeah. these, are my, these are my two favourites uh, before the season started, um, I wouldn't put Racing there anymore because of Dio Moreno, but I think San Lorenzo has been playing very well. Boca, I'm picking them to beat All Boys, the Old Thugs. Um, <laughs> eh, I'm going for Newell's away to Tigre. Uh, Estudiantes will beat Banfield. Vélez is going to win away to Argentinos Juniors. That was a big surprise from last week, of course, losing to Old Boys for Vélez. Um, Independiente River, I've gone for a draw. Arsenal to win away to Huracan, which is another free point. It'll be interesting Aye. to see how Huracan
1: get on under that. Whichever caretaker, they'll be naming yeah, the the so tomorrow Yeah, they just so terrible, name. Of Barry. The, the nation, the na- they mentioned the name of Ricardo Caruso Lombardo. Oh, really? Cool. But uh, one of the directors uh, at Huracan said, are you crazy? Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm we're not considering yeah. him because we have a di- different style of play, which I uh, which I think yeah. in which it's is a very nice we, way to say we don't want this crazy <laughs> exactly. in our club. No, but traditionally Huracan have always played offensively yeah. and passing mm-hmm. ga- the passing game and, yeah, and the beautiful so and like Caruso, 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 does, Caruso doesn't right? do that. <laughs> but uh, Huracan have, uh, have not been doing that lately, yeah. and uh, since Kappa uh, left, well, yeah. uh, to be fair yeah, to um, yeah.
2: Caruso. If you want one guy to get you out of a relegation scrap, any way necessary, he's the kind of guy you need. It's especially
1: he, like Sam it. Allardyce. Yeah. Of, um, Either him or Julio <laughs> Romero. <or not. laughs>
3: yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we say he's a big Sam Allardyce of, of the Argentine league.
2: Yeah, and but a little bit more out for a fight.
3: Yeah, <laughs> if <laughs> possible. K- Caruso. Just
0: thinking as well that Uracana, particularly our friend uh, Joel Richards, has mentioned a few times in in his 442 blog um, in the past, not particularly recently, that Huracaner, a club who the president, Carlos Babington, is an interesting character and whether you actually like him is by the by, but one thing that he has done is been very open about how the club are paying off the debt. Uh, You go to Orocan matches and they hand out pamphlets which is telling you, you know, this amount went towards playing off player debt this week. This amount went towards this, this and this. This is what we're doing with our social projects. And it's kind of interesting because we talked towards the end of last season about um, the allegations that Caruso Lombardi had made in his direction by one of Tigre's players who hadn't played at all. Who claimed that Caruso Lombardi was asking for money in order to let certain players into the team and particularly player in question are you going to reveal something here
3: sir? well <laughs> be careful what you're saying I'm,
0: yeah. I'm not going to say too much but I've, I've spoken to somebody who works for the agency in question since then and it turns out that there is some substance <laughs> to those rumours um Essentially, and that's all I will say, but <laughs> it, it would be interesting and, and it, particularly, you know, if Orocan if were to, who, as I say, have been this, held up by some as, as a model for for such kind of, you know, honest um, behavior and, and completely open about all this kind of stuff. Just
3: uh, just occurred to me now, Zubel might be a good option for them.
1: Yeah, because Mourinho already has a job, so I don't think... <laughs> because he, he would be the only one who's... Will be able to save them. Well, actually, oh, Alex Ferguson maybe.
0: Did, yeah, yeah he, d- he did the job. But but Subaldia, being a very young coach, but also having taken quite a young Lanús team to the title a, a few seasons ago, and uh, uh, as I said, I was I was criticised on Twitter during during the River versus Huracan game for saying that Huracan were crap, and the the person who did the criticising, his defence was that Huracan are a team of kids, and it's true. And and Subaldia, knowing what it's like to to work with young players and having done so very successfully um, himself, I think there could be something too, that actually, he, he could be a, a good match for them.
3: I was just thinking the other day how it's a shame that he hasn't been working for the last few months. Hmm. I like him as a coach. I'm interested to hear what some of you guys have to say about well, some of these games here. Boca boys, for example, I find that quite hard to pick. Would you, would you have gone for Boca as well? Uh, I
2: would have gone for Boca, yeah. I think it'll...
3: I think, it'll, uh, no, I think okay. Barrientos being out
0: I think we can go slightly overboard with... Yeah, with but Burrito will be
1: playing. Yeah. Uh, Burrito will be playing at La Bombonera well, exa- together and, with And
0: Fabiani. not only Ortega <laughs> but also Fabiani.
1: Yeah.
0: F- Fabiani had a fantastic quote on the front page of Ole, either either early this morning or, or late last night. I can't remember which, because it blurs into one when you live as brave a lifestyle as I am doing in Buenos Aires. <laughs> but he had a really, really great quote, which was that... Uh, somebody asked him whether he celebrates in La Bombonera which is a stupid question to ask because he's a massive River Plate fan so of course he's going to celebrate if he scores in La Bombonera Um, but but his response was his response was in the goal scoring form I'm in at the moment I'll celebrate a goal at La Bombonera I'll celebrate if I score against my little daughter in the back garden to be honest (laughs) which um you know we, we we do enjoy making fun of, of Christian Fabiani particularly on this podcast and god knows that's because it's easy to do <laughs> he was but it, as as a, a person talent. he actually <laughs> comes across <laughs> as alright regardless of what you think about his about him as a footballer he he's an honest guy and he's a you know
3: and no, he had
2: a great turn against Velez like yeah um, he actually had a... he had a big hand in the first goal and <laughs> he, for the second he you know basically made it got his um you know ample ample <laughs> behind into the into the Velez defence, held the ball up. Yeah, he had to. Dropped it back to Graccini and, yeah.
3: To a definition of holding the ball up. You know, a striker yeah. holds the ball up. Yeah. There was mm. no
2: way any Velez player was getting near
3: him. Velez defenders were bouncing yeah. off him and he was yeah. sort of using his girth to, to set up an easy goal.
0: It'll be really interesting to see whether, you know, Saturday night was was a case of Bocca getting up for the Classico and, and Felsione getting the motivated for that and therefore what they're going to be like back in front of their own crowd. I'm um, playing a team who we already know, with or without Barrientos and and also with or without Ortega, are, are never easy to beat. We saw that during the upper uh-huh. when they, they? I mean, they beat Boca then, didn't they? And uh, not in their own stadium, in Orocan Stadium, but it was the home tie.
1: San Lorenzo Racing,
0: how are you guys?
1: I'm thinking San Lorenzo. They had a huge blow. That one of the youngsters. This guy Benitez, who got injured, uh, yeah, he's cool. yeah, he's a very good player. He's going to be out, out for the level. tournament for, mm-hmm. almost for sure. Mm-hmm. He's a top scorer in the history of the club at uh, uh, youth levels uh, for the inferiores, and that's that's a massive blow for for them, especially from, especially from a, a morale point of view. Exactly. As well, yeah. yeah, it happened to Racing last yeah. week, and but now they they're coming from from a good uh, away win at, at, at a very difficult place like Mendoza, and they're playing. They're playing well yeah. and, and they play at home, at home. so That's I think... Plus
2: some excellent players, they've got um, Ortigosa who's coming from yeah. Argentinos, so yeah. Pippi yeah. Romagnoli who's been there for a while and... The new Paraguayan striker. The new strike, uh, strike, yeah, Romanias, Velasquez, huh? believe, yeah, Velasquez.
3: yeah. And the other thing okay. is so that really, yeah, yeah, Carlos Menzegas is in fantastic yeah. form at yeah. the moment as well. He's, I really, he's like the, form, actually yeah. really like the center backs as well, you got Tula and... Uh,
1: the flying hair of uh, Bottinelli. Bottinelli,
3: yeah. yeah. They're like, you know, grizzled yeah. veterans, and.
1: They have a draw and a, and, and a win, and I think they should have beat Gymnasia yeah. in week one. They were really unlucky. They hit the, the bar a couple of times, I think. So I'm thinking they, they look uh, as favorites, in my opinion. But but for Racing, it's going to be Toranzo coming back. One week of training and trying different things and, and trying to adapt to life without Gio. So it's going to be... At least, very interesting. It's going to gonna watch be interesting.
2: It'll yeah, yeah. nice. give to us a good good clue about where wrestling guy for the rest of the season, I think.
0: Any other games that you would. Um, in Independiente develop, you River. Know. Yeah, Independiente River is also a a very interesting.
1: Independiente, they they will play for the Copa Libertadores against Peñarol on Thursday. It's their debut in this Copa Libertadores, not counting the qualifying stage. And now, after after saying that they're gonna go for for every tournament they're gonna be playing at uh, antonio Mohamed, the the managers is gonna be saving a couple of players resting them ahead of the river uh, match which is really important i think if they if they beat river i don't think they're gonna be worried about relegation yeah. battle anymore i think it's, it's, it's really important for them to to win at home and. Uh, as Dan was saying, it's 11 fixtures since they last won yeah. domestically. Yeah. And River are uh, coming into this game yeah. with... Uh, Another stat actually,
2: I'm pretty big on stats today. Nice. Since um, Juan Jose Lopez, or Jota, Jota JJ as we like to call him, as a friend of uh, Pod, <laughs> since he took over... Uh, River have the second best record in the entire league, only mm. behind Mestudiantes. Um,
1: Regardless of how many uh, players Mohamed will save and will keep without playing for the Copa Libertadores match, I like River in this for this particular match. It's uh, actually
0: it, it's a rematch of uh, of one of the matches I went to last season at the Monumental. It, it was an interesting one that one because it, it kind of embodied one of the things I was saying earlier about River about how they should have won matches much more comfortably than they actually did. They won three two and it, it could have been they could have been four up at half time yeah. if, if they'd had a, a striker who would have put the chances away. And I think Funes Mori scored twice. But should have scored six.
1: I think the good thing for River is that Funes Mori is still not ready to
3: <laughs>
0: to, <laughs> to I'm too. so glad somebody is not when me has said this. Funes Mori's goal comes back, to,
3: they're not going to have that problem anymore. Dan, you were telling us that you've had a question. We on had we had one question week. from Twitter from World Football CM. He was asking uh, which methodologies and/or strategies from Argentinian uh, youth development could be modelled by other countries. As as somebody who. Saw the full
0: benefits of Argentine football youth development possibly a couple of decades ago. I think we should probably refer this one to Sever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're talking about yourself, aren't
1: it? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking off, off the air about this, and I, I have to say, I'm I'm really proud of of the youth system that or, or the youth tradition that we have here in Argentina, uh, at least until before the, the latest South American the youth <laughs> champion before Perazzo. Yeah. It was a moment in which youth development was forgotten for or coaches or clubs were not paying too much attention to it. But then they realized that it was, it was the only way of keeping clubs afloat and, and producing young talents because there was no money to be buying. Good players from abroad, so they have to produce. Argentina was always a, a producer uh, of, of young talent. I think it's a it's a good thing that uh, players, er, young players, kids are, are led to play uh, until they are 11 or 12 years old. They they only play five a side or very rarely play 11 a side on big pitch and, and and all that. So they, I think, in my opinion, that really stimulates the young kids to really know how to control the ball and, and focus on that rather than running long distances or, or, or going...
0: As well as playing 5 aside, they're also... when they're three feet tall or whatever, that one meter tall, sorry, seven, um, <laughs> they're not made to play with a full-size ball. I mean, exactly. Others, it's, well, a, it's a so much it's smaller, smaller ball,
1: I mean. yeah. That really helps ball control and that's why I think you see so many talented offensive uh, midfielders that can really do anything with the ball. And I think that that's one of the keys. And But on the other hand, I, I'm thinking the defensive aspect of the game has been forgotten uh, lately and we don't see as many world-class defenders coming from Argentina, especially yeah, on the flanks. It's yeah? very
0: difficult to see whether the next Martin Davichelis mm-hmm. is going to come. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You see, you hit, you
2: hit the nail.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: now, one thing I'd like to ask you, Seba, like, yeah. um, because I think in Europe and probably England, we have this like a romantic notion that all the players, kind of the Messi's, uh, Maradonas, and whoever else it is, they grow up, and what makes them so great is they play on the uh, what they call in Argentina the potreros, like yeah. these uh, big stretches of wasteland, you know, nothing in. They play with a. Uh, you know, jumpers for goalposts and just play all day out with their friends. Would that still be like the case? Do, people still, do young kids still learn their trade on uh, potreros or is it more kind of they go into academies younger now and it's more controlled?
1: Yeah, the academies are more the case in the, in the big city in Buenos Aires because potreros or places where kids can go freely to play all day are, are uh, not so much... Yeah, not they're, so, disappearing, yeah, yeah. they're disappearing. Yeah, they're disappearing, thanks, because I was looking for that word <laughs> and I couldn't find it. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's a key, and also little kids play against older guys and older older kids, and they have to learn how to defend themselves. They have to learn how to play against bigger, more physical uh, opposition. And I also think that is something that could be regarded as a silly detail. But I think the weather being so so good that you could play all year round is also uh, helping. I think
3: maybe another factor that we, we t- you touched on a little bit last week, Sebo, was uh, especially. Going back to like the Peckerman era, these guys are leaving so young now that they they sort of realize that you have to instill in the national team, the junior national teams, a distinct style of play, and this is how we're going to play. And let's get together as as much as possible and teach these kids that this is how we play in Argentina before they leave when they're twenty. Kind yeah, of thing.
1: yeah. And unfortunately, unfortunately, that was interrupted uh, when they they fired Peckerman and everyone was working with him. But also at the same time. You have players from different clubs in, in, in Argentina and they don't do the same at club level. And they, they ask them to get results first. That, that also happens. It's not the ideal yeah. scenario here in, in, in Argentina. So maybe they go to work with Peckerman and they think it's paradise and they, and they thrive and they shine under Peckerman because they really find a, an environment in which they are free to play the beautiful game, to pass the ball to a teammate, as simple as that instead of having to think of very complicated tactics or, or ske- uh, schemes, you know. that's well, also one of
3: the things Batista was complaining about, we uh, was saying when he first came in, is we want to get back to the Argentine style, in that uh, if a it lot ever, of the clubs are developing guys kind mm-hmm. of physically, they want them to be big, strong. This uh, is something
2: yeah. Batista's been particularly vocal about. He believes that these uh, clubs, like the big clubs in Argentina, they're breeding kind of talent for export. They're trying mm-hmm. to build them up as... As early as quickly as they can unite, you know. so they're not. So when they're 19, they're, they're physical and big enough to play in Europe, and they can ship them out. Maybe make four or five million dollars. And, yeah. and Batista's yeah been very like vocal on the subject, saying that means the players are losing kind of the spirit of La Nuitra mm. playing Argentine football.
1: I think it's impossible to find the balance between guys playing at youth levels for the <coughs> national team, being asked to do certain things, and then they go back and what they do every day is really different so yeah. it's not like they find this, the same scenario every every time they they, they, they play I, th- I think it's interesting from what english dam was just saying though about that
0: here in Buenos Aires obviously around the world I suspect it was probably the same thing And from having paid attention to the the British media via the internet I know that it was more or less the same over there but the, the Spanish World Cup win here was really celebrated and it seemed to be at times as much to do with the idea that beautiful can still get the results That it, that it needs Because that's something that, that Argentine fans Want to see Is happening in their team As well Yeah. And uh, and it, it, it's kind of I think it's worth Pointing out That even when you had A lunatic in charge Of your national side For, for the, <laughs> yeah. the course Of the World Cup I'm really going Some with the manager
2: This week aren't I? <laughs> it,
0: it, Even when he was Just putting out You know Going right These guys You're all good at attacking You're <laughs> all actually Fairly crap at defending But I'm going to stick you In the team anyway Because I don't know Any better <laughs> Just go out and play, you know, do what you do. Even when he's saying to Martín Palermo, go out there and score a goal for me. And that's everything that he's saying to Martín Palermo before sending him on as a sub. Argentina still in the group stage has managed to produce some of the, they were the football that people most enjoy watching yeah. around the world. Even without a manager who's got any... Sense that football needs to be played with some kind of structure, yeah. and I think that says a lot for the kind of youth development in, in, in the
2: country. The because fact that these players you know, can play on their own initiative. Exactly. Yeah, with the Argentine players, it comes distinctively, They can go on the field with no direction, a vague sense of where they're supposed to stand at kickoff. Exactly. And I just kind yeah, of. it, moment, it yeah. would be
0: very wrong to say that the the, the Argentine um, way of bringing up youth, youth players is. You know, therefore, In intrinsically better, superior yeah. or, or will always mean that you've got guaranteed World Cup competitors because we've had that demonstrated particularly over the last 25 years now, since '86. That's Well, sorry, now, 21 years since 1990, when you reached the final, that that's not really the case. But it's still, you know, as an Englishman watching, it's impossible not to be slightly envious. Anyway, the, the podcast has got slightly silly and slightly <laughs> off-topic now, and we have been recording. Well, it's a good question
3: from World Football CM. It, it was, so yeah. Thanks for
0: that. I think we'll sign off for now. Wish you all a very happy week from Zombie and from all four of us we'll say goodbye for now and please join us again next week at HunterPod goodbye right. thank you